0: I sought him three times for this problem to go away. And God said, I can't fall, but my grace will be sufficient. You see, here's what accompanies grace, peace. I don't have to know how it's gonna turn out. I don't have to have the answer today of why. If I can just find his peace,
1: whatever
0: I face in my heart and my body folks we're living in an hour and it's only going to be even more intense we need the peace of God Service is just like this that the peace of God just comes we're not in a hurry just want to bask in it just one more time just lift your hands come on after Sunday night a shin. Lift that hand, lift that other hand and that head and declare his name right now because you see, Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. Jehovah Shalom, God is my peace. Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Tiskanu, God's my banner. That's what he's doing right now. Just declare his name while your hands are lifted and watch, just a wave of the peace of God gonna move over your mind and spirit right now. This is why we come to church is to have an encounter with him. You're not alone in the struggle and the battle, but God's with you in the fight and the conflict and the turmoil of your life and mind. Perfect peace to them whose mind is stayed on thee. Put your mind on him right now. Put your mind on Calvary right now. Put your mind on an atoning blood. Put your mind on the suffering he went through Calvary. I promise you it'll make me and your suffering begin to pale in comparison with what he went through at Calvary. Transpire, we pray in Jesus' name. We pray. Clap your hands to Him if you believe that the Lord has heard our prayer. God bless you. You May be seated. It's a beautiful presence of the Lord here tonight. Never gets old. Shows up. That's what takes the norm. Out of just coming to church and filling a building. They're filling buildings all over the country. That don't mean God's there. Just because you got numbers don't mean you got God. But what we have here building tonight. It's not about a number, it's about the heart of God's people that are hungry, for the things of God and the purpose of God, and the plan of God in this hour. It's so challenging now, like never before, to, to find where is God in the midst of the, the chaos Even the most spiritual people, those that have a hold on it, even have moments of weak times. That gives me comfort, Brother Langley, Brother Joe. You know, I'll never forget Brother Ewing when he went through that car wreck. It was was after mine. It was probably around 2000 and I don't know, four or five and flipped his Suburban over like four or five times in the air, gashing his ankle. Went and saw him at the hospital there that night of the accident. And and Brother Fontenot, the next statement he made helped me so much. Went a couple, maybe a month, and that thing wasn't healing up on his ankle. And finally, I went and saw him one day at his house. And he said, Scott, he said, when you went through that car wreck of yours, he said, I watched you for almost a year. He said, I watched your highs and your lows during that one year. He said, days I could see it in your eyes, you were, you were in there, you were in the fight. And then other days I could see in your eyes, you were, you were going down. And he said, I tried my best to, to be there for you and, and, and try to help you. But he said, here's the fact, I'd never been where you were. He said, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't understand what you were going through until I went through it myself. And here's what that did for me, Brother Keith. I put him up on a pedestal and still honor him even in his, his death for what he did in his life. But what it did for me was this, the man of such great faith didn't have the answers for me. <laughs> and number two, he went through the same struggle of the highs and the lows. So It doesn't matter how great your faith is and you may be on the pinnacle today or how long you've lived for God. There's going to be days you're going to walk through a valley and there's going to be days you're going to be on the mountaintop. But here's what the thing, I guess, summation in Thessalonians says it like this, Brother Bushnell. In all things, give him thanks. Hey, whether I'm in the valley or I'm on the mountaintop, I might not have the answer. I'm in the ascent or I'm in the descent. It don't matter. Regardless, I'm going to give him thanks because his goodness has been far more better to me and realized to me than whatever I'm facing today. I feel such a strong ministering spirit of the Lord trying to encourage somebody to, to realize, hey, You're not in this by yourself. God's there with you. God's with you. You got your Bibles? Mm -hmm. Going to turn to the book of James, chapter 3, where we picked up or stopped last time. I want to pick up with it because James is going to take a, 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 not a turn, but he is going to touch on something that I want to eagerly try to get to here tonight. James, chapter 3. All our guests, visitors, we're glad you're here today. I see a few of you here. I'm glad you're in the house of the Lord with us tonight. James chapter 3, and we stopped with verse 6. If you would, Brother Ron, put verse 6 up there. Verse 6. Tongue is a fire in a world of iniquity. If you remember, we had taken that word iniquity and defined it as adornment. The word world there is eons referring to the rebellious nature of, of the earth or its uh, constituents of the, the earth or the world, its system. So in the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. And again, we refer to the whole body, not only in the physical body, but it could set the course of the body of Christ. And setteth on fire the course of nature. Now, if you remember, that was where we we stopped. And that course of nature, one translation for it was was saying that it it the tongue has the ability to set on fire the course or the circle of life. And what James was talking about, and we we close, I touched it just briefly. That what he was saying was is the power of the tongue has the ability to not only set direction, the rudder of a ship and the bridle of a horse, but it affects the course of life. And the the deeper translation of that particular verse is talking about genealogies. That what he's saying is is that what you and I say, it can affect the generation after us. I can just think of examples just briefly. Uh, you know of, of hearing old tapes It tells you how old were are old cassettes And uh, hearing Brother Tenny get up and say uh, Different comments about a camp And where the church is going And, and, and projecting what the camp meeting was going to be about And I, I remember hearing those statements then On tape I wasn't even there But now I'm listening to these tapes Back in the Oh Lord Back in the 80s and early 90s And I I know it seems far removed and it's a tape, but yet his speaking of direction and insight and and, and what God was going to do, it affected me even now. If that can affect me over a tape, what can affect a generation that's within our own household? What can affect a home where there's children that are being raised and they hear mama and daddy and the discussions that go on around tables and and, and conversations and things? And I was always very prone, and I say this to the young couples I was always prone, and I think my kids would testify to this. They never heard anything about the church at my table. My kids never heard about anybody negative. I never talked about people to my kids. And when they'd come to me with a problem of what somebody did to them, and God forbid it was somebody in leadership, I would never, never buy into what they were saying or what they did. My wife's got a real, real good story about what her mom did to her, leaving a church service. I think she told it to y'all not too long ago. Uh, she was leaving a church service, and, and I think it was wanting to go out to eat or what was it or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, brother, was, she was hanging out with a friend that, that she shouldn't have hung out with and, and, her, and Brother Ewan might have said some comment about it and uh, about what she should have done and she's walking out of the church, her and her mom and her daddy and like a little, you know, swaddling duck, you know, they're following mama and daddy and she's just popping off behind mama about what Brother Ewan don't, can't tell and die, 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 brother Ewan. and her mama turned around and popped her across the side of her face. Oh, God, you'd go to child protection services today. But how many kids could be spared if we would tell them to shut their mouth and quit talking about leadership? Quit talking about things about people. Because here's what you're doing. If we don't stop and teach the next generation how to handle things that aren't always going our way, we're going to create a generation that's anti-church and anti-people. I'm sorry to get on to this. This wasn't in my notes, but it preaches real good. This mindset that talks about everybody's a winner. Not everybody's a winner and you're not getting a trophy. But we give everybody a ribbon because we've never taught people and our children how to deal with conflict in a constructive way instead of a negative way. Young couples, hear me. Those kids are coming up and they're listening to everything you say. But what James is trying to say is that tongue that's in me and you can set the fire or the course of a circle that where I should break it in myself, it doesn't get broken and it goes to the next generation. And now they're faced with having to deal with things that never, you know, I I get around some of these old timers. And all I hear about from them is the good things of God and the blessings of God and the favor of God. You know why? Because there was an old daddy probably to take you behind a woodshed and put a good switching on your backside. My Lord, I don't know what y'all did, but y'all done got me stirred up now. It's what in my notes. I'm wanting to get to verse nine. But that's why you're still in the church. That's why you're still in the church, because a mom and a daddy took time and love and knew that I've got to affect the course of the nature. I've got to affect that my kids' course down the road, so the way to do that is I've got to teach them and try to show them. Folks, I don't know about you, but we're facing a generation right now, they defy authority. They don't like the things of God, and I want in our church an example that you and I have children and young couples raised up, and these babies that are coming along, that they love the things of God and they speak peaceably about the things of God and they speak about the good things of God out of their mouth and they don't create a fire that would cause more problems for them you say well man you just helping yourself out no I'm trying to help somebody because what he's saying is it affects that generation that baby that's going to come it's going to be affected by what, what, what you say will affect him how I respond to what's difficult. This is the kind of stuff James is trying. Folks, this is just good old cornbread and potatoes teaching. And if I don't learn to kindle the fire, James puts it in such a perspective that it literally, Brother Dale, astounds me. He says, it will set the course, but not only that, it's set on fire of hell. He just basically says your tongue is hell come on three people just say amen or oh me has your tongue get you (laughs) has, has your tongue got you in a pickle sometimes and you felt like you were oh my lord I got myself in a pickle and it might not be flames licking the bottom of my feet of hell but I sure feel like it's getting a little hot You've been in discussions and situations where my tongue got me in a pickle see but what we don't understand is is if i don't get a hold of that it's going to set a course and a pattern see this is the beautiful thing about having the baptism of the holy ghost when i get it it breaks the patterns When I'm baptized in Jesus' name and I get the Holy Ghost, Brother Roger, whatever my daddy was, your daddy was, my grandpa was, if they were a murdering whatever, when I get the Holy Ghost, that generational cycle breaks. That should give somebody hope here tonight. Maybe you don't know who your mom and daddy is. Maybe you don't know what your mom and dad, or maybe you had a good mom and dad. I don't know where you are in it, but remember the Holy Ghost is what breaks it. The covenant is what breaks that cycle and curve. You're a new man, a new creature, and you've got an ability through the Holy Ghost, and you can take that tongue and put a little water on it and not let hell spread in your home, but let it He said this tongue it's lit you don't hear about hell preaching no more that's why I wonder if people even believe in hell no more we don't hear it preaching so probably people don't believe that there's a real hell there's there's going to be a real place of eternity and James is trying to picture this you know the word there means it means G-E-H-E-N-N-A I don't know how to pronounce it I think it's a long E G-E-H-E-N-A There you go. You know what he was referring to? He was trying to relate to these Jews and trying to explain to them there was a valley of Hinnom, Gehenna, and it was where all the refuge and the dump and the dead and the dead sack all went into that valley. And death was there. It was smelly, it was putrid, it was horrible. And what James was trying to relate to them was is that's what ignited the tongue he's trying to relate that there is a filthiness and a dirtiness about a tongue that's unbridled now I don't know about you but I'm simple in my thinking I'm doing everything in my power to live for God and I don't plan on going to hell and I think you agree to that too then why would I bring hell to me? Why would I bring hell to my home? Why would I bring things that are gonna damage my kids and my family in my home? James is trying to drive a point home to the people. This thing has got to get under control. Let's go to verse seven. Now, James, he's going to give us another analogy. And then James gonna shift gears into what this is all about. You say, well, man, he just won't give up on this tongue thing. He started it in chapter one, he gets to three, he pushes it again. There's a reason James is trying to drive home the tongue thing. Last analogy, he says, for every kind of beast and bird and serpent and things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind here's what he said any animal you think about it now tigers lions and bears they're all tamed not in the wild but i can tame them with a cookie you can tame animals they even got cobras tamed next verse but the tongue no man can tame it James again is trying to drive the point home so strong that you cannot do this on your own. You don't get Norman Vincent Peale, the power of positive thinking and think yourself, You don't work that way. There, I wish there was yoga for tongues, but there ain't no yoga. There ain't no Eastern meditation. There ain't no, hum, Babi's gone and chanting, you gonna get something done. Uh, Dominic and Bobby gone. Stole the pig in the way he run You can chant all you want It ain't going to control your tongue You're going to say good Good, 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 good I just tamed it You no good outfit I just came untamed Uh Uh-huh Sorry knows what I'm talking about But he said the animals can be done But this tongue cannot Be tamed, you cannot do it. And the, the closing of his issue, quit trying to do it on your own. Quit trying to figure it out on your own. The answer for you and I is to pray in the Holy Ghost old timers back years ago you'd hear that priest all the time matter of fact when you needed to pray through what did they do they brought you up to the front put you in a chair laid hands on you and prayed you through maybe not here but i know some places they did you weren't gonna leave till you prayed through out of your backslidden condition and the whole church was gonna put their hand on you and make sure that you prayed through before you left What were they trying to say? You got to pray in the Holy Ghost and let what God gave it to you for, let it do its work. You can't do it on your own. The Holy Ghost is more than just salvation. It's a work in us that helps you and I get a hold of something that I can't get a hold to with my own disciplines and my own abilities. Quit beating yourself up. You're not going to get it. But if you get the Holy Ghost and you let the Holy Ghost work, I promise you this, you'll get a whole lot of better results from what you and i do in the holy ghost than what we try to do on our own quit being so discouraged tongue ain't never gonna stop it's always gonna be why i can hear brother you and oh he i i I can see him brother bush now he do like this he did it just like that in the pulpit he taught on james he said it ain't never gonna do right but watch It's full. And if this don't get, like Jeff Arnold says, if this don't get your wood, your fire going, your wood's wet. He said the tongue is poison. Now, I ain't never been bit by a snake. You've been bit by a spider. Poison. And when that poison hit that foot, that poison ran. And it was going after one thing, that heart. Hear me, watch this. Poison in our homes, in our families, and in our kids is after the heart of your family. And if I don't somehow figure out how to get this thing under control, mama, it's coming after them babies because that's your heart. It's my heart. It's coming after them. And that poison's going to spread. How does it spread? I think I've used the analogy one time but I'll use it one more time just with a simple slip of the tongue oh brother Dale you don't need to worship when sister Ash and sister Lisa and all them singers are doing their song don't worship with them old fogey songs they sang tonight poison just planted something in him that's after the heart of this church See, because remember I go back to the body, if the tongue, it can if I can get it saying the right thing and doing the right thing, what will it do? It affects this body, but what else does it do? It'll affect this body. So how do we stop the poison? We have a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost every chance we get. That's why when I come to the house of God, I'm not waiting on you to play the next song. I'm already here saying, God, I'm a cup and I'm empty. I need you to pour into me more. I need more of your spirit. I need more of your prayer. Well, I already got it. Yeah, but I need another dose of it. I need another measure of it. I need a little bit more of it in me. Why? Because I'm facing things in my mind that I'm struggling with. And if I'm not careful, what I'm thinking in my mind is going to come out of my mouth. And what comes out of my mouth is... Is going to eventually lead my body and if I don't get it under control now in the Holy Ghost I'm going to lose my family my mind my kids it's a poison that's after every church it's after every family I've said this 10 times over and I'll say it again strong families build strong churches not strong churches build strong families I don't need fancy, 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 fancy thing that's going to draw the crowd. I need strong families that know how to pray in the Holy Ghost and from strong families, sheep begat sheep. If I learn what God can do through me in the Holy Ghost, then that's going to carry over to somebody else that's struggling in another area of their life. Sheep begat sheep and strong families will build a strong church in Indian Village. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry that my family is strong in the Holy Ghost, not strong in intellect, not strong in ability so I declare it tonight let the blessing of the Lord be upon my family let the blessing of the Lord be upon our church what I declare is what you're going to get it's a deadly poison next verse And now James closes it out. He said, here it is. Therein we bless God and we curse God. Here's what James' summation is. That tongue is used to bless and see the benefits of God but it also can turn on a dime and become death and a curse. He's trying to show you and I, it's the one element that it will never be consistent without his help. It'll never be consistent. It'll never until I look at what it's all about for we are made after the similitude of god similitudes image likeness james is taking now what the tongue does josh and the damage but the blessing and saying what settles the inconsistency is this you've got to go back to the image that you were created in. See in the other part of what he's trying to show you and I is this. He's referring to creation. I'm going to get into after made the similitude of God in a minute. But the topical meaning, he's going back to creation. And he's trying to say, just as God spoke worlds into existence and Lucifer there rose up in pride because he wanted my spot just as much as I created the world and there was blessing in my mouth I spoke and Satan fell and he was cursed by it he's trying to show the people of the little church in Jerusalem that you and I have to understand the creative power of God When you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you didn't just get a tongue-talking experience, but you've got the Word of God now in you. An understanding of the Word of God that now when you speak, your words have meaning. I can't say what I used to say, and I could have got by with it then. But now I can't do that because death and life's in the power of the tongue. When I speak, I'm either creating something in blessing or I'm destroying something in cursing. He ain't talking about cuss words right there. He's talking about looking at things. And if I look at it and curse it, I've got to look at God as the image. What would God say? What is part of him? What's the fruit of him? If I curse something that God's blessed. I'm like Balaam and what he's saying is you got to go back to the original pattern the image don't try to re-image me to fit your will Don't try to change me to make something fit for you because you're not happy in the church or you're not happy in your home. Some marriage needs to hear me right now because things ain't going right in your home, your marriage, your job, your church, whatever it may be. Don't expect God to change because I can't get this under control. Don't re-image me. Don't change me. Because if you curse something that I blessed or if you bless something that I've cursed. There's a scripture, I didn't pull them up, but I've read several of them, one just yesterday, that they did what was right in their own eyes, and another one said they called wrong right and right wrong. Are we not in that hour now where now nothing matters? Authority don't matter. The word of God don't matter. It's subjective. That's what's happening. The church has become a boys club. I'll participate, I'll come if I want to come. I'll go if I don't want to go. I'll do what I want to do. It's kind of iffy. Wonder why we don't have conviction no more. We could change the course of this. We could turn. In Indian Village, we could turn the tide if we would begin to declare, God, what's your image? What's part of you? What are you wanting to do? God, I want to declare what you want. God, if you want to see people, then that's what I'm going to declare and I'm going to hang on to it until God delivers what he said he's going to do. But you see, when his image, watch, when his image don't fit my image of what should happen in a situation. Come on, folks, what's the first thing we do? We get on the phone. God, help us. Back then it was a, a regular line, but now it's cell phone. I get on the phone and I'm going to, because what's going on in my life isn't conducive to what I think God should be doing so because God's not doing what I want when really it's an issue watch me it's an it's an image issue we don't really know him like we should And because we don't know him like we should, then it gives us a free-for-all, Brother Wade, to kind of just do however we want, live however. That's why we got a younger generation coming up. And we we talked about it tonight in the Bible study. If I went to some of them and said, you know what, Uh, the, the Lord don't want you doing that no more, they'd be like, what? You know why? Because the image has been shifted. They don't have an image of God. They're looking at Oprah, Dr. Phil, Who's somebody else? I don't know. them. Y'all help me. Somebody. The Kardashians. I'll get y'all moving now. That's their image. Their image is them and their lifestyle and reality TV. And if I came in and said, man, why are you watching that bunch of garbage? Because that's going to become your image. They'll look at me and go, huh? man, you are so antiquated. You are such an oh, oh. And then here's what happens, Brother Keith. And now their life starts taking a path of the negativity that they're imaging themselves after. You now, you're trying to be a Kardashian and you're going to become one. We're trying to be what's in the world. That's, that's him what about some sport hero I'm just using that use anybody what's the image that's replaced the image of God because that's what he's trying to say it's this that's got to be I gotta say what that image says this image not what the image of Washington D.C. says not what the image of what the, 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 the what, what's the CDC the hospitals I got to love them and thank you for your regulations. But you ain't the final authority. And you're not the final say. And I'm going to keep declaring, by his stripes I'm healed. By his stripes, no plague shall come nigh unto my dwelling. I'm going to declare. Why? Because the image of God says I can bless and curse. I just want to make sure that I curse what God's cursed and bless what God's blessed. And we've got the ability to change. Now, we get into the image. This whole image issue. For we bless God the Father, where we curse men which are made after the similitude of God. Now, what is James dialing into? James is going back to creation. Brother Fontenot, we are created, God created man and God created woman. He created man, he made woman out of man. Order to his creative process. And what James is dialing into or starting the beginning of, is trying to show you and I that there is a creative process by which god does a work in humanity that's what the whole seven days of creation were for it wasn't just a neat bible story study that we learned in sunday school but god had a very unique divine order and so much was that order on the first day he created this the second day he created that third day he created this the land fourth day fifth day and every one of those days are a mirror and a picture of me and your creative order The earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved. And God said, let there be light. The first thing that happens from my creative day, order. Brother Fontenoyas, I came out of darkness. And he said, let there be light. And my process began. And the cycle of life is, can I stay in the process as God creates me or creates in me the heart that he's going to use for purpose? The struggle is staying in the process. The struggle is staying where he can make me, Brother Darrell, into what he wants me to be and not be pulled away by some outside influence or opinion or secular or worldly image. So James says it's the similitude. Paul picks up with it. Give me 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And verse one. Where we're living and what we're dealing with is there is a mindset, Brother Fontenot, that's trying to reimage the order of what God created. I'm still talking about building strong families, build strong churches. And they're wanting to reimage the male and the female agenda. That you basically can be whatever you want to be, live however you want. And this is what's being taught to our kids. The last fronter that hasn't been pulled is the bathrooms, the side. You with me? Because they've already arrayed. They already destroyed in the schools. They already gone down that road. And now the, there's the, the, the sign that denotes male and female. See, what's it all about? What's, the, what's this issue over? Go back to James. It all has to do with image. I'm not talking, when I say image, I'm not talking about my image. I'm talking about God's image. And am I fulfilling that I, the role or the creative process that said, I was created in the image of God? So Paul picks up it in Corinth and here's what he says. In what defines the image, be followers of me even also as I am of Christ. Now I, pray, I praise you brethren that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them unto you. Here's what Paul's saying when he said ordinance, he was going back to the oral law. Paul's fixing to set a precedent. He's fixing to set the record straight in what he's about to go into Corinth. He's talking about order, husband, the head, God, Christ, husband, wife. And what denotes that order was the hair and the covering. And Paul sets it from the very beginning. I'm not pulling to you some custom. He closes with that. But Paul comes down at the very beginning. He says, what I'm about to tell you, this is an ordinance from the oral law and he was dialing back into or reaching back into the Old Testament and he was bringing it into the new that my leg to stand on is not a leg of preference. It's not a leg of custom. It's an ordinance from the Old Testament showing you what denotes this. Now, I'm going to cut the chase just real quick because I, I won't finish it, and I'm going to go a few more minutes and I'm going to stop and we'll pick it up later. If you look at a male and a female... There ain't nothing you can change contrary to modern science now that now you can change anatomies and all this kind of stuff. That, 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 that's out there. But if you just look at a normal person, man and woman, there ain't nothing you can change on your own. What's the one thing you can change anatomy-wise? I know you could paint your fingernails, Brother Keith. That's all I'm talking about. Anatomy. Anatomy. What could you change? You can't change your skin color. You can't change hair. Hair. Hair is the only thing scripturally that you and I can change. For some, you can't stop it from falling out. Us men are losing it as we go. Baldness, pattern, I get all that. But you can change how you do it. I've seen many of guys, they're bald and slick on top, but they got a ponytail all the way to the back. You can let it. You can change it. You can change it. So Paul says, this is an ordinance I'm teaching you. But I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, this is not teaching uh, two gods. When you see Christ, the original Greek is Meshach. Its uh, definition is a saving uh, agent in a time of of intervention or salvational intervention. He was referring to the manifestation of Christ in the flesh. So he says, I would love you to know that every head of man is Christ. Man, husband, is Christ, the flesh. And the head of Christ is what? God. Ephesians 2 picks this up I'll go back to it maybe a little bit later when I get back to it the next time but in Ephesians it gives us the the credibility or the foundation for what Christ is the flesh he says for Christ ascended but yet he sent gifts unto men and he refers to those gifts as the fivefold ministry pastor a prophet apostle teacher evangelist five-fold ministry and he said I've put that in the church that as Christ has ascended in the flesh or he's gone he's glorified now the gift that has come to the church in his stead for the edifying and the building of the church is the five-fold ministry you don't hear a lot about that anymore brother Fontenot we have strictly and even as a movement we have become a pastor-driven movement you say prophet that's a foreign thing you say apostle you're really a weirdo but there is, an, a, there is a resurrection, a revelation of the five-fold ministry that God is going to bring back to the church again. That we see a real apostle that's going to come to an area. A real evangelist that's going to be called to an area. A real prophet that's going to be called to an area. I'm not talking about some of these that are in it for entertainment. I'm talking about a prophet that comes to the house of God and says, it's going to rain in three days. You better get the cows in the barn because there's coming a storm that if you don't get them in, they're all going to die. And if you read the scripture and what our, our Bible reading just a couple days ago said about the prophet, the prophet has an ability to see. And it's a gift of God to the church because they can see what we can't see. But also comes with that is the destruction or the, the hits and the ridicules that come to a man that operates in that office of the prophet because they're usually kind of weird, they're kind of quirky. You let Brother Jerome Barn come here, I promise you, he's different. Yeah, you know him, about 80 years old, and when he walks through the pulpit, it's just like, well, here we go, and this, this, uh, and bump, bump, bump. And if he says this, you can, like the old boy said, you can tie your mule to it, it's gonna happen. Because God is raising up men in this hour to, to feel and to operate in these offices. Why? What's the purpose of it? What are you, what are you talking about? Ben, well, you, you ain't even making Why don't you just preach tonight on David again and love? And let's just kind of shout a little bit. We need to understand. James is dealing with this because if these things are not in place, you and I are going to have a, a. What was the Corinthian mess? It starts the first four chapters, five chapters of Corinthian. First Corinthians, it's all about jealousy and contention. And strife, you get to chapter six, and what is it about? It's about leadership and people being angry that leadership is unjust and unfair, and they start talking about leadership. And then you go on to nine and ten, you start having abuse of gifts and all this kind of stuff. What's going on in Corinth? What James was talking about. They had never learned how to come in order. Of what the Holy Ghost wanted to do for that local assembly. The blessings of God flow in that order. And outside of that order, it'd be nothing more than just a building with some people in it. He goes on and he explains the head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. So you got God, divinity, Christ, the flesh, man, woman. Divine order is what he's trying to propagate by what he's about to go into. He says, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered. Now, right there, people ask the question, what's covering? What's covering? Well, go read verse 6 and verse 15. I'll get there, but I'm going to tell you ahead of time. It's hair. It's not a veil. Veil's nowhere in there. The only time they wore a veil was when they, uh, the, the, the Greeks, what would happen, Sister Peggy, is these women, they would become prostitutes. And they served at the temple Aphrodite's. And in that temple, these female prostitutes, as part of the the introduction into the, uh, the temple of Aphrodite's was, their head had to be shaved. You with me? And that's how everybody knew they were a prostitute, they were unclean, they were filthy, they were prostitutes. But what would happen is, is Paul and Timothy got into Ephesians and they started Ephesus and started teaching and women started getting a revelation of the salvation and the gospel message. So when they're coming out of the temple, what do I do? I got a shaved head. How are people going to know that I'm no more of the temple Aphrodites? How am I going to know? There ain't no miracle growth for the head. It it don't work. I'm, I'm shaved. They put on a veil. And that veil denoted until that hair grew. They then pulled the veil off, and now the covering that was intended from verse 4 was hair. And what he says is every man praying or prophesying, his head covered, dishonoreth his head. Covered. What he's saying is every man, later he talks about this, having long hair. If that man is covered in long hair, he dishonoreth his head. Who's his head? Who's the head of Christ? Now, what's the word? Here's the one that just kind of rocks my world really good. The word dishonor means to disfigure, reimage Christ. You see, I'm still talking about reimaging. This hair issue is not a hair issue. Everybody wants to argue and argue and argue and say, cut hair, not cut hair, what should I do, and all this kind of stuff. And it's robbing our young girls. And they don't know the why I don't cut my hair. I'll tell you why you don't cut your hair. Because when you cut your hair, you're disfiguring Christ, dishonoring Him. And He goes deeper and He says, It's shame. What's the byproduct of sin? Shame. So if I cover, if I, he's trying to show you and I how when I pray in the Holy Ghost. How can I pray in the Holy Ghost, Brother Fontenot, and get this tongue under check? How can I get this, Brother Daryl, under control? If I don't have the image right when I go to God in prayer, this ain't never going to come under control. Why do you think the battle is now against all? Come on, go back to the 60s. What hit us in the 60s? I got articles after articles after articles. Even the world was saying, what in the world's going on? This is going to set a precedent that will forever change our world. That women came in with bobbed hair. Come on, some of my elders. And it changed everything. But what's the issue? He's saying if that man come in praying and his head covered, he dishonored. But if that woman that prayeth or prophesied with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head for that even all now for a young girl and that's not married she dishonoreth her husband or her daddy so when you were in the home with me if you would have prayed with uncut with cut hair you would have brought dishonor you would have re-imaged this is why we got daddy issues because we got a young group coming up that mom and daddy won't tell them how this stuff and So now the daddy issue, so now they're going to find somebody from a re-imaged daddy. Oh, y'all ain't wanting this tonight. I'm going to go home. (laughs) I done put too much into this. I'm not teaching you some crackerjack sermon. This is why we're losing our girls. This is why we're losing our young couples. And marriages are busting up left and right because they don't understand the order. Let me read it to you just real quick i can find it where's my paper look right here let me put it all in perspective so everybody don't think i'm a male chauvinist pig headship and submission do not imply superiority and inferiority the issue is responsibility and relationship. I'm not advocating a dictator husband slamming down a woman. That's not what I'm advocating. I'm advocating a responsibility in relationship. A husband is the head of the wife in the sense that he is responsible for her to protect her and to provide offering and guidance to her. A wife is allowed her husband to fulfill his role, submitting to his loving, sacrificial leadership as the church submits to Christ. The reason we don't have it is because husband and wife don't love each other no more. Can i just cut it straight i'll tell you something does provoke me so y'all better tighten up now you can see it in my eyes they don't know more you don't respect me and i don't respect you and because there's nothing in respect here the image is messed up when it was supposed to be a loving sacrificial response here but i had to make sure that i protected you and took care of you and if i don't fulfill my role hair don't matter <laughs> Y'all with me? We're fighting over the issue that ain't really the issue. Yes, you sh- I, I don't. Cut, women don't cut your hair. Men need to cut your hair. That's, a, that's the symbol and outward sign of a greater covenant and responsibility on the inside. I'm supposed to love her like Christ loved the church to protect her and shield her and guide her. And as, as I give that, she reciprocates it back. So I trust you. But here's the thing. How can they trust us when they don't hear us pray? Girls, find a boy that prays. If you don't hear him pray, I'd run for the heels. If he don't care for you and treat you right, I'd run for the heels. Because if he ain't doing it now, headship and submission does not imply superiority or inferiority. I am not a male chauvinist pig I'm not being harsh or unkind I'm trying to drive a point home it's about responsibility in the image of God that I in turn can direct the whole body with my tongue For a man having his head covered refers to his it does not recur to, it refers to his literal head while the, the phrase dishonoreth his head could not or could refer to Christ the head of every man the reason later given as to why a man must not have his head covered is that the image and the glory of God I'm not there yet I'm going to close at that point but that's where this is all going we're trying to get the glory we sing about it camps and here but what really brings the glory when a man knows what his role and responsibility is to that family and when he does his role her uncut hair is symbolic That this thing is in order. And God says wherever I find order. And a similitude of my image. I'm going to come down and blessing upon blessing. Will be in that family. I don't know about you. But I don't just want it for my family. I want it for your family. I want it for our church family. I want the glory of God to fall. And the only way is that the divine order of God is settled. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to make this last point. I quit. I'll come back and finish this a little bit more, but let me let me let me say it with this. The reason verse four says it like this, he says, y'all come really. I am through. The reason he said, "Every woman that prayeth and prophesy with head or every give it, that's good, man and woman, it don't matter. They they, they both saying the same. They're different, but it's what I want. the The man, if he's covered, he dishonoreth. If the woman's uncovered, she dishonoreth. Okay. Now here is the thing. What's it talking about? somebody said it, prayer, prayer. So here's what happens, Brother Fontenot. I'll come back and qualify this next lesson. When I go to God in prayer, because the angels recognize covering, notice the ark. What was the ark? Angels. Come on. Angels covering and what? Glory. With me? Angels covering glory. The ark God settled. Order. That priest couldn't just go in there and do what he wanted. There was order. Same picture here. So what's he talking about prayer? Here's what he's saying. The angels recognize the glory of God. But now here it is. They also recognize covering. And when something is not covered or inappropriately covered, when you go to God in prayer, and if if the man is covered, long hair, or if a woman goes to prayer with cut hair watch me you just went into the supernatural realm where there's angels and demons and the angels look down at that hair and they go uncut the glory will settle in the protection of god but if they look and see cut the door of the supernatural opens and demonic spirits come in its place because hair is the gate and the sign To the whole spirit world. Whether you're submitted. Or you're not submitted. He knows if I go in. As a man covered. With the wrong thing. I dishonor. Or a woman goes in. Cut. You dishonor. And it opens the door. But if I go in with the right heart. Brother Keith. Sister Joan. If I go in in the right. Symbolic. Hair. Showing and I'm in order, I submit, I cover and protect. The glory of God settles. You say, what's the glory of God is doxa. What is doxa? What's glory do? What's the benefit? Folks, glory is what is in Christ. You got an earnest gift of the glory. And when I die, what am I gonna become? The temple of God where the glory of God will abide in totality and completion within you and I. So what's all this about? If I stay in order, the glory of God will stay with me and my family and keep me whole. Stand with me. We're going to come back and finish the rest of it because I got pages and pages and pages of this. Of how I'm able to control this, how I'm to pray, divine order, the blessing of God, the favor of God. Folks, we're in a time now, I cannot, there's no way I can pastor a church without His glory. There's no way. I don't care how eloquent, how knowledgeable of Scripture we are. So, Brother Wade, my, my heart's desire is, God, whatever shows me a similitude or an image of you, whatever piece of the puzzle you give me, I will be. Because he closes that chapter with the blessing and the favor of God resting on his people. Is there anybody that's here with me tonight that you want the blessing and the favor of God on our homes, our families, our kids? God wants to do that for us here tonight. Lift your hands. Lift your voice. Let's ask God to help us. Jesus, I need your help right now. I need your help, Jesus. God, ah, there's such a strong opposing to the word of God. I'm asking you here tonight to the heart that's hungry, let that the seed have fallen on fertile ground, Let revelation come, let desire come, let the things of God come. God, I ask you right now, let us become that church that you want us to be in this end time. That hey God, we're in divine order, perfect placing with you. Hey, God, we don't miss a beat that everything is understood. We love each other. We love our family like we need to love. God, I'm asking you today, cover us and help us today and lead us and guide us through the word of God today. Come on, I feel very strong tonight. There's somebody here tonight. God wants to help you. You say, well, I ain't never heard what you talked about tonight. That's the first I've heard of that. You need to hear me. It's not, It's not. not. It might be the first time, but it ain't going to be the last. God wanted you to hear it to help you and strengthen you. God had enough confidence in you that if you'll stretch your hand to him, God will give you a revelation and understanding of it. Folks, it's a secret and a key to the church in this end time that brings the glory of God upon us and our families. Come on, step out of that pew with me right now. Make your way to the front. Throw your hands up and just declare God, I need you to help me. Revelation and understanding to your word right now, God. Come on, this applies to men and to women, applies to all of us. I want a greater responsibility, understanding of that responsibility of what you want me to do in my life, God. I need your help. I need your help to know, God. I need your help to know, God. I need your help.